and welcome to Motopod, the internet radio show all about motorcycle road racing. This is episode number 713, a Moto America special. And with me, a special guest to help talk about all things Moto America. You'll probably recognize the name when I tell you. It's Scott Bolton joining me tonight. Scott, what's going on, sir? Hey, good evening, Jim. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm sure uh, everybody is probably going to want a little update of like uh, what's been going on in your world since last you sat in that chair and done a show. So fill us in. <laughs> well, let's let's start things off with a little tradition here. I don't know if that picked up or not. But that hey, was the... Uh, the old poll tab didn't. Yeah, it, there you go. It kind of got through there, but that's all right. All yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, other than just the, the episode 700 little audio snip I sent in with some of the other uh, former co-hosts and contributors, uh, you know, not a whole lot. Uh, I had kind of disconnected uh, from the social media, uh, you know, poor man's moto journalist gig I did for quite a while. And uh, right. yeah, but, you know, obviously uh, keeping up with the moto racing scene and uh, trying to get out on my bikes every chance I get and get up in the mountains here in North Georgia and, you know, up into the beautiful mountain roads uh, up into the Blue Ridge and Appalachians uh, up above me. So, yeah, it's all good. Fine. Yeah, you know, the last time I know that I've actually seen you was we were encoded together. I think that was 2019, 20... I think. 18 or 19 is what I came up with. So it's been a while. Man, I, that was like uh, 20. Yeah, that would have been about right. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So I think we all know that I'm haven't been doing much with Moto America. The show hasn't done much with the Moto America. I kind of want to try to change. I kind of want to bring a little bit of, you know, Rich, is, Rich brings his little bit of uh, British Superbikes to the show. Kind of want to bring a little bit of Moto America to it. And I thought the best way to do that would be to talk to you, Scott, because I know you've kept your finger on that pulse. So why don't we kind of just set it off with sort of a kind of catch up people to like what happened over the season, maybe hit a couple highlights of a few races, and then we'll move forward from there. Yeah, sounds good. So uh, even though it's kind of a one-off race, uh, not part of the points uh, system per se in Moto America, let's start off looking at the Daytona 200 okay. from last year where Moto America took back over uh, running that show. Of course, it used to be ran by AMA. And then, of course, uh, when they bowed out, uh, the uh, American, what is it, American uh, Superbike? CCS yeah championship cup series yeah 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 so and you know of course you know it got a lot of flag for you know just being a glorified club race and all but you know they've been off they'd continued to offer or really started offering some really good purses so they drew some good teams and riders every year but uh you know it, it obviously wasn't the same people talk about Daytona from you know back in the 70s and 80s and yeah it's it's not the same in that respect but I thought the Moto America, you know, taking it over that they, they kind of upped it a, a bit and, you know, it was, a, it was, it was a good show. I, I really uh, thought it was uh, getting back to, you know, hopefully uh, getting it back up on the pedestal closer to where it used to be. I don't think we'll maybe ever return to that, mm -hmm. uh, what it was in the back in the day per se, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was encouraging to see some of the teams that showed up and, and, uh, you know how it turned out so yeah so yeah of course one of the big stories was josh heron uh coming in on the uh uh warhorse ducati 
uh, V2. You know, of course, the, the Daytona 200 now is the super sport class, basically. Right. And, and it was also the first uh, race for the new generation super sport where they, you know, started in, including more bikes like the V2 and what have you. So, uh, of course, you had attack. Uh, Yamaha show up with their super bike riders, uh, Jake Gagne and Cam Peterson. Uh, Josh Hayes there on the Squid Hunter Yamaha. And of course, then you also had some international uh, names that came in, you know, Sheridan Marias, uh, Harry Truelove from uh, Great Britain. I think his brother also raced it. And then some of the longtime names, uh, Danny Eslick, you know, multi time winner. Uh, you had Team uh, Hammer, M4 Suzuki there with Richie Escalante. So, yeah, it was a good race. Uh, very exciting. Your typical Daytona. Uh, you know, back and forth. A lot of draft passing. Uh, Running on came... walls somewhere in there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it, it's hard not to watch that race and just be a little bit on edge. But, mm -hmm. uh, man, it's, it is it is some good racing. And they the field stayed together as far as, like, say the top five and came down to basically a four box shootout. And when they crossed the line, uh, you know, you could have about thrown a blanket over them, but, uh, Brandon posh on the, uh, TOBC racing triumph, uh, took the win, uh, his second consecutive Daytona 200 win. So, uh, Cam Peterson, uh, ended up second on the, uh, attack Yamaha, uh, Shez Marias, was third on the Yamaha and Josh Hayes, the ageless wonder, if you will, I think he's 47 years old, fourth on the, uh, squid hunter racing Yamaha. And then you had Richie Escalante on the M4 Suzuki finishing fifth and, and multi-time winner, Danny Eslick came home in sixth, but, uh, Jake Gagne ended up not starting the race, uh, during one of the practice sessions, he had an incident coming out of the pits, uh, where he, he uh, actually got into the the concrete barrier as they're exiting the pits, and he, I think he hurt his knee a bit. Nothing serious, but he he didn't want to get out there and uh, chance it you know, with the regular season on the horizon. So, but yeah, it was a good show. Good thought it was a good way to start off the season. Uh, so yeah, the, of course they'll be doing that again this year, and we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. So then they moved on to doing the deal with Coda where they sort of share the limelight with MotoGP there, which, you know, I was there for that one, uh, you know, at the MotoGP race. I think it was from my mind when, as soon as we set foot there, I don't know how you think about this, Scott, but I kind of had the feeling that Petrucci would win the race just from the standpoint that it's a track that he knew on a bike that is probably very well suited to that track and it kind of went that way because Petrucci did do the double there which was a good way for him to start the season but <laughs> things did turn later on for him with that yeah you know Jim it was it was kind of odd I, I really thought that uh Gagne would would give him a run for it there and I I kind of wonder if he wouldn't have it's almost like attack uh, you know the Richard Stamboli crew it's almost like they really, I don't know what they were with. It was the electronics or, or what it was, but you know, they both had 
issues during the practice and qualifying, you know, it, it, uh, Gagne had an issue and then Peterson had an issue in another session that looked almost identical to what happened to Gagne where the bike, you know, let out the blue smoke and, uh, came to a stop on the track side. So it was, you know, it was almost like they were, had psyched themselves out to try to get, you know, the 11th percentile out of that, out of those Yamahas to be sure they were giving Petrucci a run for it. So who knows, but Petrucci, yeah, he, he, he busted on the scene, uh, did the double, um, and yeah, so he, he definitely made a statement, uh, in his, uh, first two races, first race, uh, behind him was, uh, Matty Skoltz, uh, Cam Peterson, third PJ Jacobson on the debut of the Titler's BMW box was in fourth. And then Hector Barbera, his teammate was fifth. And then in race two, you had Petrucci again, taking the win once again, Schultz in second, uh, Gagne did pull a third to get on the podium in race two with uh, Peterson in fourth and uh, Richie Escalante on his debut on the uh, M4 uh, X-Star Suzuki in fifth place. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, Petrucci definitely uh, threw the hammer down or the gauntlet to, to start the season off. He did. He did. And then he kind of picked up and kind of kept it going when the, the group got to Road Atlanta. And in that first... And I guess this is where you get to sort of the first of the Petrucci controversies that kind of took hold of the series as we as as it moved along. So Petrucci would win that first first race. Uh, Skoltz was there with him. Then Jake Lewis, Hector Barbara, and Escalante were there in that race. Yeah. Just, just and, go ahead. And you know, Jim, in that first race, uh, you know, Gagne pulled the whole shot, and there again, uh, you know, I think Petrucci uh, was living rent free in his head still at that point because he just, you know, Gagne is usually a really, uh, you don't see him crash a lot. Mm -hmm. And on the, you know, it was on the second or third lap, I think he, he threw it down the road, uh, just pushing too hard. He, he admitted it. So, uh, so yeah, that opened the door for definitely for Petrucci to go on and, uh, you know, take that, that third consecutive win to start the season. You know, that's an interesting point about sort of Petrucci living inside of Gagne's head. He kind of really did there at the beginning of the year. Uh, I don't know what – I I get it. I get that this guy was a MotoGP star. He had gotten off of a really great Dakar earlier that winter, right? I mean, he was very impressive doing doing that off-road race. If anybody's ever seen Dakar, you know it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Sure. The ride was two weeks, 14 days with one rest day. Uh, the marathon stages, the navigation, all that's done by you as a rider. Uh, so, you know, hats off to Petrucci for what he did there. And I could see where Gagne could let that happen to him. But the one thing that I was thinking sort of after they left Coda was, you know what, they're going to get to these smaller, tighter, bumpier American circuits with the walls really close. Mm-hmm. And the question I had in my mind at that point in the season was, is Petrucci going to be able to perform given those tracks and the, and the nuance that these tracks have? Could could he learn them, learn the nuance, and then give Jake a run for his money? Mm -hmm. And that was sort of where 
I was as we kind of got into the end of that uh, Atlanta round. But it's the second race where the controversy starts. And correct me if I've got this wrong, but everybody was on grid ready for that second race. And the bikes were sitting there, but they had a electrical failure at the track or in that part, that region of Atlanta. Well, it was at the track and okay. it, what it affected was the TV truck. Uh, so the, they could, you know, and those races are shown live on uh, Fox sports too. So they could not, they, you know, they couldn't start the race on live TV. You know, they, they couldn't, you know, they were back up against the wall, you know, it, it was not a good situation, but those things happen, you know, it, but yeah, um, Petrucci's back overheated sitting on the line. And then he, what, you know, was a DNF on the, after the first or second lap and, uh, Gagne did go on to win that race, race, uh, convincingly, uh, Cam Peterson, his teammate was second with uh Kyle Wyman filling in on one of the BMWs, I think for PJ Jacobson, uh, put that back on the podium. That was impressive. And then Barbera on the BMW and Escalante again on the Suzuki in fifth. But yeah. So after, uh, the race, uh, Petrucci had, uh, some, some pretty harsh things, uh, to say about basically, you know, that this is a, uh, you know, it sounded like he was basically saying, you know, this, this, this is a dog and pony show, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and just some of the comments, you know, this, this should never happen and whatever. And, and yeah, it kind of started off a string of, uh, I guess you could say kind of public relations nightmares, uh, in, in, in a sense for yeah. Moto America and, or the, uh, you know, Warhorse Ducati team. Yep. It was not, not pretty seen after that round and i think one of the I, I don't want to say this is this helped but the fact of the matter was that there was quite a few weeks before you got to the next race so that sort of kind of fell out of the social media news loop of being repeated it ran for a good a good three four days and then it just kind of fell away just out of the normal cycle of how things go but we moved on from Atlanta to VAR, uh, which I think is one of the better tracks on the calendar for Moto America. Just I wish they would run the long track as opposed to the short course, but I have no say in what they do and when they do it. But uh, Gagne then got into a streak of form, right? So he he does the double, right? And that first race was Gagne, Schultz, Peterson, Petrucci, and Lewis. So I think this is where where Gagne got sort of took Petrucci out of his head and said, this guy's just another racer on another motorcycle. And all I got to do is go do my thing and I'm going to be fine, which is kind of where Jake started to turn it around because he started he ripped off quite a few races at that point in this in the, uh, wins in a row there. And, you know, and we saw a tight, twisty, bumpy track that petrucci couldn't make the ducati work on right yeah i think that was the first place that we really started seeing uh the issues with the dunlop the american dunlop tires on that ducati uh you know they of course world superbike or pirelli which is what that bike was kind of 
designed around as far as tires go. And the American Dunlops, they're, they're actually made here domestically. And, you know, they're, they're different in hardness and some different aspects from the European Dunlops or Japanese Dunlops or whatever. So, yeah, we, it's kind of like you started seeing some of that uh, struggle start to come, come through at, uh, at VR. So, uh, yeah. But, yep. but I think also with Gagne, you know, I think the deal at Road Atlanta in, in race one was, it, it wasn't, you know, just, just the, the thought of Petrucci, you know, the MotoGP former winner coming in. But I, I think also that he had came out of Coda uh, with a pretty, pretty good points deficit. And I think that, I think at VR, he just calmed down and got back in his groove. You know, Jake, he's a really cool customer you know he don't let a whole lot fluster him and uh you know i, th I think he he got back got his head back on the ride and uh and just put his head down and and, and uh went to work yeah i think he did uh to finish off what happened in var the second race was was gagne skultz uh petrucci peterson and uh pj jacobson that second race <clears throat> but it was what at the end of the second race that petrucci falls off after finishing and yeah. he goes he goes for the slide i mean it for those of you who don't know var it's a very long front straightaway with a with a very very quick right hand kink in it mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's a wide open super bike kink so we're talking about 150 160 miles an hour probably scott through there at least yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's quick so petrucci slides off goes for the long slide um winds up on the outside of the track with nothing around doesn't hit anything right so it's just his own natural momentum is arrested by just friction of the grass and he stops and he he's obviously stands right back up as soon as he's done sliding across the grass and he stands up and the race is still going on well everybody's coming to the checkered flag there were yellows that were waving from my recollection of the incident but Petrucci was aggravated that they didn't have medical teams to him in under you know 60 seconds or whatever he said i don't remember what he said there which was sort of a black eye another black eye media relations problem that we had H how did you see that from your side well you know you, you got i mean you got to give danilo credit he was trying to make a move on schultz to get that second position around the outside, but I probably his inexperience racing at that circuit, he probably, and then just going for it, which I, there again, I admire, but you know, he, he, his momentum basically at that speed going farther to the outside, probably than he normally had just there, there's no way he could make it through that kink at that point. So, so yeah, it was a, it was, it could have ended up a lot worse. Fortunately, there's a lot of grass, <clears throat> excuse me, right off right there at VR, but there's no corner workers on the outside of the track there. They're on the inside of the track and it was still a live track. So, you know, it was, and maybe that's, well, they're not actually not racing at VR uh, in 2023, but you know, if they go back there eventually, which may, hopefully they will, uh, you know, that may be something they will look at is, is trying to station some corner workers out there, but, but yeah, it, it, it was, uh, he was very, um, 
uh, aggravated and finally crossed the track and, uh, you know, he got picked up on a, like a four by four and they were going to take him to the podium and they just went on past the podium to the uh, medical center. And, uh, you know, the guys that, uh, Gagne and Schultz, they, they didn't know what had happened to him. So they didn't realize till they had got, I think basically in, up on the podium or in, in the podium celebrations that he had crashed. So, and he, uh, he did, was it, I believe it was his, uh, knee that he injured. Uh, yeah, you might be right. That or is like, he had like his thigh had gotten the, 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 the road rash, the, the burn yeah. from just the, the fr- pure friction of moving across the, the track. So it was something in that general area, the upper part of his leg, he could have been, I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah. So, um, so once again, kind of like he did it, road Atlanta after race two, uh, different circumstances, but he really, uh, let loose on the, you know, there again, it kind of came across as what a dog and pony show Moto America is, you know? And at that time, me personally, as a fan, I was getting quite put out with it. I understood where he was coming from. But it's like, come on, man, this is not Moto, this is not uh, Moto GP. This is not World Superbike. You know, these are, you know, these are not world level, you know, world class FIM homologated tracks for the most part. And, you know, one thing I, one of my comments was, you think this is bad, <laughs> go race at some BSB tracks. Yeah, <laughs> if you exactly. Want some, right. If you want some sketchy stuff and not throwing off on the BSB, but it is what it is. The domestic championship series, they're, all of their tracks are not going to be to FIM, you know, world-class track standards. Yep. And I don't know if he was expecting that to be the case or what, but, but yeah. So at that time, me, and I think a lot of other fans and a lot of the people involved in Moto America uh, and whatever. Yeah. They were kind of getting tired of it as well at that point. So, so yeah, once again, kind of a public relations nightmare. You know, for me kind of not being as closely connected to it as, as you are, I, I wasn't rooting against Jake and the team for a championship, but I was kind of rooting for Petrucci to do well and to Jake, to race him well, to sort of, to kind of, elevate the status of moto a so that people would look at and say look the the guys that are here are as good on their day as a guy who raced moto gp and won which well that to me that was like the the one thing i wanted to come out of this was to for us to look good and now we got to this point and i'm like yeah petrucci just either didn't know what he was getting into or he misses he missed some there was a disconnect somewhere that he just didn't understand. And like, like you rightly said, I thought the same thing, dude, what would you think of Codwell park where you got to jump the bike <laughs> over the hill? Right. I mean, if, if you mm. think nobody showing up to get you and sliding off and not hitting anything is okay. What happens at Codwell park, which if I think that's one of probably the tightest, narrowest, I mean, even some of the riders there call it a, a cow trail mm-hmm. to be honest. Right. So it was again, it's this PR nightmare. And I thought, yeah. I thought in this one, uh, sorry to cut you off, Scott, but no, in no, this no, one, 
in this one, I thought Moto America put out a really good PR statement. It was one of the first ones that I've seen that Moto America did, and they they, they stated the position correctly. Look, th- given this nature of that racetrack, corner workers are on the inside of that corner. There's no one on the outside because that's an impact area where someone could be. They had a live racetrack that we couldn't let people cross at the time because a superbike coming through there at 160 and somebody walking across is not a good thing to have happen whatsoever. And they said, look, hey, if Petrucci hadn't stood right back up and walked away from the incident, then there's a red flag and you're bringing everybody to a stop as fast as possible. It was well worded. It was well done. And I give kudos to Moto America for stating what essentially was the obvious in that situation. Yeah, no, they, they did handle it well, I thought also. And, uh, and, and, you know, like you said, with a hope, I think a, a lot of the fan base and even, you know, the people within Moto America, there again, competitors and everybody else was wanting to see Petrucci come in here and give, give Gagne a run for it. Cause Gagne had been so dominant last year or well in 21 and basically won almost every race. So yeah, I th- you know, everybody was hoping to see P- Petrucci come in here and, and, uh, you know, them two really, uh, fight it out throughout the season. And unfortunately, as we go on through some of the results here from last year, they, it just never did work out that they ever had any real head to head battles for whatever reason, something, Something always seemed to come up. But anyway. Yeah. So we, we get into the middle of the summer. Uh, we're about halfway through the season here at Road, at Road America. I personally, I love Road America. I have raced there as a club racer at Road America. I think that place is absolutely fantastic. It is smooth. It It's that old school. To me, it's sort of old school racetrack because you have a real distinct feeling of you went somewhere <laughs> because of just the elevation, the turns. Um, you know, you think, wow, I've gone all the way to the top of the hill. I've raced all the way back down the hill. Now I've gone up the hill to the bridge and Hey, I'm at hurry downs. And now I'm in the carousel and I got to race it when there was no chicane back Mm -hmm. after the carousel. So Mm -hmm. that was, uh, trying to go back over to the left on a tire that had cooled down front tire that had gotten very cool from all the right hand you had been doing. Right. So that was all, that was really fun to go through there. And then you're down at Canada corner and then suddenly back up the hill to Billy Mitchell. And now, wow, we're back at the top of the top of the track again. So one of my personal favorite tracks there, it was interesting that it was like, it was Skoltz who won the first race of the weekend, which uh, surprised me, you know, uh, there was, you know, Gagne was fifth and um, help me out here. What, yeah. what happened to Jake? Well, that's the race where on the, I believe it was the first lap that going down into I can't remember. It's it's Top at the, the end hills of, five. Yeah, I think it was going into the the right, the left hander at the bottom of five, maybe. Uh Gagne, I don't know if Petrucci came up the inside of Gagne to try to take the lead, but they they made contact. It's like it's like Petrucci really stuck his knee out, you know, and mm. and uh they both ran wide. And Gagne got into the gravel and unfortunately dropped the bike. And Petrucci was able to go on, although he did lose, obviously, some time and position. So that's what put Gagne back. And uh, But, yeah, going throughout the race, it turned into a good battle between uh, Petrucci and Skoltz. And, uh, you know, coming down to the last lap, uh, 
they put some pretty good, pretty good moves on each other. Those guys had already started developing some friction between them. Uh, and it, uh, so, but coming into the uh, final corner before they went up the hill towards the start finish line, Petrucci, uh, he had gotten in front, let's see. Yeah. Uh, Gagne, or I'm sorry, Schultz had gotten in front and Petrucci, uh, really went into that, uh, last corner hard and it allowed, uh, Schultz to, to, to basically get the drive coming up the hill and he beat him to the line. So it was a really, it was a really exciting last lap between those two guys. So yeah, so, so Schultz took that first one of the year for him and, uh, with Petrucci in second. And then, uh, Hector Barbera put the Titler's BMW on the podium for third with Jacobson and, uh, Gagne rounding out the top five. Well, race two was, again, another kind of wild race, if I remember correctly, because PJ or Cam Peterson wins that one. Uh, and then Jacob PJ Jacobson was second, Petrucci third on the podium, then Gagne, and uh, a one-off by Pegram. Seems like that. Another one of the longtime Star Wars, one of us uh, guys <laughs> who are, you know, getting into our 50s. <laughs> another ageless wonder, yeah. Yeah, the worm, sure. you got to give him credit for you know, he's still doing some road racing and he's still doing some, uh, flat track, American flat track racing. So, uh, yeah, he's, 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 uh, stretching it out, no doubt. But, uh, it seems like Jim that that in that race, they did have some, uh, seems like they might've had some rain. I don't think it was a, was it a wet race? I couldn't remember, uh, you know, again, Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that might've been the deal where they, it wasn't a, it wasn't just a, a totally wet track, but it seemed like they were having some moisture maybe during that race. Anyway, spots here and there, but best I can remember that may yeah. not be correct, but still Cam Peterson, uh, you know, good on him. He, he brings it home yep. for, uh, for a win and, uh, PJ Jacobson, uh, second on Tyler's BMW. So that they were, they were really starting that BMW team brand new to the series. Uh, it was really, uh, turning some heads, you know, with, uh, you know, already at that point, several podium, uh, finishes, uh, Petrucci came home third, rounded out the podium, uh, Gagne fourth. And like I said, Larry Pegram fifth. So, uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, now things kind of even had even themselves back out again at this point, I think at this point, the, the championship was pretty close between Jake and, and Petrucci. I think Petrucci had the lead at this point, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And Jake was kind of hunting him down. So it was really pretty interesting because I think right now we're pretty much halfway through the season or close, just slightly over maybe. But they moved on to the West Coast of the United States, the West Swing of it. And they went to Washington to Ridge, which I have seen the track. I've seen the race. It seems like it's a beautiful place. I mean, not having personally been there. I do like the Pacific Northwest. I've visited there before, but yeah, that's this is one of those ones where you realize the difference between the United States and like the United States domestic series and say British Superbike. I mean, you can go almost almost everywhere in the UK in eight hours. <laughs> and just <clears throat> as a for instance, uh, you know, you and I were in the east here. I'm in Ohio, you're in near Atlanta. For me, if to drive out there would be a 27, 30, 27 to 30 hours <laughs> straight through. So it gives you an idea of what these guys gotta face. Just to get to some of these races, which is maybe one of the things that 
we can talk about later after the review. Some ideas like, "Me, how do you make the series better?" But uh, out west, there, Gagne got back on the form. He did the double with it um, in the first race. Bertucci had a second. Um, Cam Peterson will finish out that podium. Then with Skoltz and Barbara, and then in that second race that they, sorry, I think that was the first race. Yeah, yeah, that's actually Peterson and Bertucci. Yeah. Yeah, so I take that back. So the first race was was Gagne and Peterson and Petrucci, Skoltz and Barbara. Then in the second race, Gagne does the double with then Petrucci running second, Peterson, Schultz, and Barbara. What little things did we learn from that round, Scott, that we you know, was unexpected <laughs> or didn't? You know, what was the main talking point there, I guess? Yeah, well, once again, Gagne just, you know, was Gagne. You know, he was dominant from the time they rolled off the uh, hauler. Um, and there again, I think Petrucci, uh, him and the team having issues getting the the uh, Ducati set up uh, and, and being able to, he, he was, it was always, it seemed like throughout pretty much the whole season, uh, Danilo complaining about no feeling in the front or no grip in the rear, you know, at different, times or scenarios during the season so they were really struggling with that so uh saw a lot of that there and uh yeah he's i mean he he, you have to give him credit i mean he he put it on the podium both races with a second and a third but uh yeah gagne was definitely at that point uh, had the bit between his teeth and was really starting to chew away at that points lead that uh, petrucci had built up early on it's sort of the second, I don't know, it's sort of the second start of a bit of string of Gagne putting races together, you know, because he had sort of these spurts of put three, four races together, have something happen, put another three, four races together. And uh, that's how they did that. They went to Laguna from Ridge where Gagne did the double yet again, right? So that's four races on the trot that he can win, eats into Petrucci's lead. Uh, in Laguna in the first round, uh, first race there, Gagne, Peterson, Petrucci on the podium, uh, Escalante and Skoltz. And that second race, it was Gagne, Petrucci, Peterson. That's kind of a just flip-flop the two guys there for second and third. Then Escalante and Hector Barbara. So at Laguna racing there, they, you know, again, Gagne just had his head down, right? I mean, he was fast. Again, like you said, the hauler showed up, they rolled off, and they just, dominated yeah and you know laguna was one of those tracks uh, of course trucci had, <clears throat> had some experience there mm-hmm. and uh, although it had been a few years since he had uh raced there but you thought you know that might suit him a little bit better but i think once again the tires you know they struggled with that all weekend and and kudos to him he he did uh you know once again get a second and a third out of it but that first race was where him and uh peterson were in a monumental battle uh, the last couple of laps and, uh, on the last lap as they, uh, uh, entered the, uh, going into the top of the corkscrew, Peterson was leading and Petrucci did a bonsai up the inside move and it turned into kind of a Rossi stoner situation where, uh, uh, Peterson ended up, you know, going, they've actually got a little bit of pavement off what used to be dirt where Rossi ran through the dirt in the Rossi stoner classic, uh, pass there. But, uh, Peterson was able to get back on him and, uh, 
and hold on for that second place. And it, but it was funny in the post-race uh, podium celebrations that those two, they were, you could tell, and even though Danilo didn't, uh, you know, get the position and, and Peterson, you know, some people could say, well, he could have been upset by that move. They were both really good natured about it and laughing about it. And it, it, it seemed like it was kind of at that time, Petrucci was starting to seemingly get a little bit more comfortable in the series and in the paddock. And, and I think some of the fans started to kind of come back around to him around that time. It seems like. Yeah. I think he, I think he did what most people would want him to do. He kind of shut up, kind of shut up and race. And he did, he did have his comments about the tires, which it, uh, that's fine. You can, you can have those comments. You can say, well, we couldn't find the grip in the bike. We couldn't do have any front end feel with the bike. You, that's fine then you you have that problem yet you still rode as well as you did to be on the podiums that's 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 an impressive ride regardless right if you have that that of problems and you do that and i think that started to win a few people over as well because it was like oh yeah hey you know what this guy really can ride he really can race he can ride you know he's got a bike set up as well as they can but yet he still rides around that problem and you know that's what you do. There's no such thing as the perfect motorcycle, right? I mean, you can spend your life chasing it. You're never going to find it. Although Gagne <laughs> pretty close to as per- perfect as it could be, but they have a lot of data on that Yamaha. They've used that Yamaha for a year or not that Yamaha, but they have enough experience with the Yamaha to kind of know what works, what doesn't work. And it's, it was kind of showing at this point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> like I say, it, it, uh, it wasn't an easy task for, that basically being in a new new back new team and whatever to, to come into that situation uh, with the obstacles that they had sure. and still show the performance that they did so yeah spoke spoke well of Danilo and his uh, abilities uh we get a Brainerd we've now moved back to the Midwest to the land of 10,000 lakes and mm-hmm. this is where Gagne had his second crash of the year right because after the first race, it was Gagne, Peterson, and Petrucci on the podium with then Skoltz and P.J. Jacobson. And it was the same thing. I think it was one of those cases where Petrucci just could not get the grip. He wasn't getting the drive. As the last turn onto the main straightaway, Petrucci really couldn't get any drive because that's the real long straight there. And, uh, you, you know, Petrucci was trying. He couldn't, but then... That second race, Gagne was leading, if I remember correctly, and threw it away. And <clears throat> tell us what happened there, Scott. Yeah, he. Uh, it was towards the end of the race. Uh, not that many laps left to go, but it was coming into, I can't remember exactly what part of the track, but he's coming off a, a straightaway into one of the uh, left-handers. And the, the as he was braking and getting ready to tip in the 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 front end, uh, he lost a little bit of the front end and it was just enough that he had to pick the bike up, uh, and, uh, go off the track right there. And he went down pretty quickly after he went off the track and just yard sailed mm. at, uh, Graves Yamaha. I mean, the, the, the front fork and wheel went flying off and it was a pretty, uh, pretty major, uh, get off. And fortunately, uh, Gagne wasn't, uh, badly injured, but, uh, yeah, it did open up the door for Petrucci and uh, put himself in a position to capitalize on that mistake by Gagne and uh, went, out, went on to take the win uh, over Peterson, uh, Jacobson, uh, Hayden Gillum on the Disrupt Racing Suzuki. 
good showing for him. Came in fourth in that race, and then uh, Barbera on the BMW in fifth. Yeah. Uh, so, real quick. Yeah. Good. Just to mention on on that Brainerd weekend, unfortunately, that's the weekend where we lost uh, uh, Scott Briotti. Scott Briotti. Uh, yeah, that's right. It was a super stock and uh, was racing in the super bike cup races. And uh, it was uh, kind of a freak deal, but he ended up getting off the track at one point in one of the practices on Friday and contacting an unprotected barrier. And uh, yeah, so so rest in peace, Scott. Uh, you know, po- the uh, paddock really uh, came out with a lot of support for uh, for Scott for Scott's uh, family and team after that. All right. So as this ended off, I, if I remember correctly, I think uh, Petrucci was either up by a point or down by a point. I can't remember which way that one was, but the championship at this point was really super tight as we headed to Pittsburgh. Now I was able to get to Pittsburgh. I was able to go there. Um, It was my first taste of actually being at a Moto America event in person. And uh, you know, good crowd that was there. Um, the weather didn't really, I won't say it didn't cooperate, but it was really finicky on Sunday. I mean, it was very hot, very humid for the Friday to Saturday. Uh, Sunday, because of all the humidity in the Midwest, you get those thunderstorms that all appear. And we had rain that would dry, and we had rain dried. It was, you know, sort of back and forth. But on that Saturday, Gagne just, Gagne was pretty much unbeatable. Again, this is one of these, they showed up with the truck, they rolled off. If they turned, maybe one or two, you know, maybe a, a turn of preload, maybe one of compression, and that was it. It, it. He was just flying. So he won with Petrucci second. Again, Petrucci was fighting a grip problem again here. I think it was more front-end feel, mm-hmm. as Pittsburgh is has a lot more elevation than what I realized. Yeah. I knew there were some places that had elevation, but it's but when it's a big elevation, I think you understand that as a rider a little bit better. It's these small nuanced elevation changes, especially coming into some of the quicker corners where you're only moving, say, five, six feet and the camber's the wrong way that I think Petrucci was having trouble with the front. I noticed between like him and Gagne, Petrucci would have the knee down a lot longer than what Gagne would have, where mm-hmm. Gagne was more comfortable with that bike sliding or accelerating it or being able to get it back up onto the fat of the tire to make or square off the corner and, and make it work for him. But like I said, Gagne would win that first race at Pitt. Petrucci would be second, then Skoltz, Peterson, and Jake Lewis. And I think at this point, I think now it was like a four-point gap that Jake had on Petrucci at that point. So it was like, it was all to play for. And especially with the Sunday, with the rain that came and they had a wet practice. And I'm telling you, in that wet practice, Petrucci was quick. Oh, he, he was, was super quick in that way mm, practice. Yeah, he was, <laughs> was, was praying for rain. Oh, he wanted, yeah, he was rain dancing all the way around. I mean, I, I, you know, we were nearby where the bikes go in and out of the, out to the, I'll, I'll call it the hot pit lane. And Petrucci's Warhorse team was sort of right there. We were kind of standing behind that. And you could tell when it was dark and it was cloudy and it was raining, Petrucci was, had a smile. He was pretty mm-hmm. happy about it, you know, especially when he came back in. Uh, after that wet session, he, you know, there was that you know, that sort of smile that Petrucci has. You, you know what I'm talking about. I think all you people know what I'm talking about. And he just really had that smile, which was really kind of neat to see. It. I think, you know, for me, it was like one of the only times I think during the weekend that he w- was happy. Right? You know, things were working to his benefit. 
However, it never played out that way as the track did dry up from that earlier rain, mm -hmm. which meant we had to go on slicks. Um, can't, I'll, I'm going to back up here for a second, Scott, because there's, there's something in that first race that I didn't, we, I want to talk about with you, which mm -hmm. I, I didn't know. And hopefully you can help me understand this. There were two red flags in that first superbike race on Sunday. And I am of, I am very accustomed to, it's a red flag. Everybody bolts a new rear slick onto it, maybe a new front if you want it. And that's not allowed in Moto America. It's at the discretion of Dunlap whether you can change those tires or not. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. I just, I never knew that that rule existed in there. And is, I don't, I mean, to me, I, I would just think, well, let's throw a new slick in there. Is it like a cost savings that Moto America does that? Or is it like, why, why is that rule there? <laughs> if you know. I'm, yeah, honestly, Jim, I am not sure about that. I, I, I do remember that uh, being the case, uh, but is. As far as the the intent behind that, I, I don't know exactly. I do know that there was a lot of or a good bit of um, uh, complaints about those red flags, mm -hmm. and it basically came down to. And it was after that that Moto America really started putting the call out for help with corner workers because yeah. a lot of their corner workers are volunteer, and they honestly at that round did not have enough corner workers in some portions of the track to, you know, get things taken care of and, and the race restarted again. And, and it's the time amount of time they would normally want to. So, you know, anybody listening here in the States uh, that can, would like to consider that, uh, that is definitely a need for Moto America. And uh, you can go to their uh, website and there is, you know, a way to, to get in touch with them and, and volunteer for those positions. And, 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 you know, I have never done that, Jim, but I've been honestly thinking about doing that because, uh, number one, I mean, you definitely get a front row seat, uh, but the, you know, they, the riders and on down, everybody really appreciates the corner workers. And, uh, so yeah, just, just, just a shout out there to anybody that. Would oh yeah, I'll, I'll go one farther for a shout out here. If you guys are a motorcycle club or you belong to a motorcycle club, talk to your club, talk to your club, ask them, hey guys, we can go to this weekend. I think corner workers get free entry. Uh, I think you even get fed for the day. Just you know, it's it's not super hard to be a corner worker. And they'll talk you through what the flags mean. They'll teach you what's going on with the radio communications and what mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. given the circumstance. So it's, don't be afraid to, to, to talk to your guys in the club, try to get cl club guys to come, uh, you know, your club, you know, Hey, you know, we don't road race. We do motocross. Fine. Hey, come along. You're going to learn what it's like. So if you, anybody out there who think thinking about it, or would like to try get in contact with Moto America, go to their webpage, like Scott said, because this race really had issues due to the lack of people that were volunteering to take up corners. And it was, it, it got better as the weekend went along. I think we found some people, but it's definitely one of those things that if we want this to continue, we need to help in that way to find people who are willing to spend the weekend and, and go to these particular events and, uh, do that kind of work. So if you can, please consider it. Greatly, we all would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, the second race that happened in uh, Pittsburgh, 
Gagne won again because we were talking to track track did dry. Skoltz had was second. Was Skull? I think Skoltz was riding with an injury, wasn't he, Scott? He had a was it a broken finger or a bone in his hand that something? Yeah, <laughs> for, he, he, as a legacy of some crash somewhere. Yeah, he did have some type of a a hand or digit issue, but him and uh, Petrucci had quite a quite a tight race in in that one. Uh, so uh, once again, those two managed to find their their sales together on the track and uh yeah that there again uh the, that's where the main uh point of friction was for petrucci as far as another rider seemingly kind of throughout the season with, was with schultz and uh good deal on schultz i mean he uh you know that's that westby team they're 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 they're, they're scrappy team they're a they scrappy are. team there is no no doubt about that i kind of caught caught on to that, mm-hmm. that you know these guys are pretty scrappy and uh they're doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, anything else there, Scott, with that, with Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, that kind of would wrap that one up, I guess, Jim. Uh, just uh, once again, you know, mm-hmm. just the dominance of Gagne yep. at, at that round. So we go to New Jersey. Uh, title title race is still close. I think it was eight, but somewhere between eight and ten points going into New Jersey. It, it, that's close. To Gagne's so, favor. Yes, Ga- yes, Gagne did have the lead. I should say. Yeah, he took it. At, uh, I think race two at Pitt. He yeah, went yeah. I think he finally. Three. Yeah, I think he went in. The, I think he went in yeah. down four, came out plus eight. Something, to, something to that effect with Petrucci being, uh, you know, uh, third in that one. Skoltz did him a favor there for sure, right? Uh, in New Jersey, Gagne won the first race of the weekend, uh, followed by Peterson, Skoltz, Petrucci, and Jacobson. So I think it became like a twelve to a 14 point lead at the end mm-hmm. of that point. Again, Jake just looked like Jake. He just had it under control. Petrucci was having bike problems again. Um, is there anything else in that first race that we're missing? Cause there's kind of a pattern to, to it a little bit, right? Yeah. I guess the main uh, thing I took away from that, as far as the finishing positions was that, uh, um, that, that Danilo did finish off the podium. And yeah. that's one of the one of the one of the few times this year that he that he didn't manage to get it up on the box. So uh so he was uh you know kind of down in the dumps after that, I'm sure, uh with the two Yamahas, uh Gagne's teammate Peterson and Schultz in between him mm-hmm. and uh Gagne at the end. So of course going into Sunday, uh the he finally got his wishes with the uh with the weather as the rains came. Uh, and Petrucci shows how good he is in the rain because he walked off on everybody. Really, I mean, he had well, he had quite the lead, and he slowed down a lot on that last lap. I think he was almost 35, 40 seconds ahead, and then you know had backed it off to preserve the win, and that allowed Skoltz to get close. Gagne, nursing that points lead, finished on the box. And uh, the question I have for you is: Jake a rain rider? He he did not look. He did not look comfortable in the rain there. And given that we don't have, you know, 20 rounds of racing here in the U.S., the odds are, given summer, that you are probably not going to get a rain race. I mean, you may have one or two. So I'm not so sure how much experience Jake has in the rain, but is he a rain rider? Is he not a rain rider? He's a, uh, I wouldn't say he would, uh, you could label him a rain master like uh, Petrucci or even Matthew Skoltz. So Skoltz is great in the, in the rain. 
He's a UK boy though, too. He, he, uh, he came from South the UK. Africa. South, South Africa. Africa. Sorry. Yeah. My apologies, still. Scott. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. And sure. uh, but Gagne, uh, I think in that race, he was really through you know, taking into account the ramifications of if he was to fall off mm-hmm. and, and Petrucci and lose a lot of points to Petrucci. Uh, headed into the last round at Barber. So I think that might've had something to do with this. So for him to still finish on the box, which uh, his teammate was ahead of him and probably would have finished in front of him, but uh, him and uh, Peterson and Skultz were battling uh, for that second position and and Peterson uh, went off and remounted, but it allowed Gagne to get that final podium spot. Yep. So the final race of the year, Barber, I was at Barber. First time I'd ever been to Barber. Uh, I think you've been there before, right, Scott? You've been to Barber? Oh, yeah, many times. Barber wanted, is a beautiful I, facility. Yeah, I, I wanted to be there with you, Jim. Uh, yeah, time, we tried. It, it didn't work out. It didn't work, uh, yeah. Maybe next it's, year. It is. Uh, the, only, the only knock on Barber is the length of the track. You know, it's Yeah, it's short. But uh, it's a beautiful facility. It's 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 a very uh, uh, challenging track. Uh, very and, technical. There's a yeah. lot of blind entries. Yes. Uh, there's blind entries, uh, a lot of uh, elevation at, at the apex, uh, blind exits as well, where you can't see. So it's a fascinating, fascinating track. Um, you know, in comparison to Pittsburgh, I love the idea that they had a tram and you could jump on and go to different stops and you could easily get around the track. And mm-hmm. you had nice big shade trees to sit under on what people consider the back stretch, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thoroughly enjoyed that weekend with my friends down there and you know, we camped at the track again. So it was like the third time we had, to, had the RV and we're at the track and just had an absolute grand old time. We actually were lucky enough to be parked right where they had the, uh, the mini moto kids. <laughs> so we'd get down at the track, come over, we're like grilling behind the RV, watching the mini moto cool. run around that evening. Nice. So, we had a we had a grand old time there. Uh, this was like a foregone conclusion that Gagne was probably going to be the champion, especially if you were there on Friday and you seen how hard Patricia was struggling with that bike. It, oh, it would just uh, the yeah. what the corner they call Charlotte's Web. You could just watch Patricia just put it in there, and it would just plow a furrow all the way to the apex, and he'd stand it up, then try to squirt it back out. He was having a rough weekend, and I it was very plain to see that this was jake's to lose right uh all he had to do is basically stay on the bike and what did jake do but go faster than anybody the whole time mm-hmm. I mean, he was so so dialed in there at barber it was impressive that mm-hmm. you know essentially he didn't have to win a damn thing right to to get this like he just had to finish and he was just flying on there and it was it was fantastic uh he, jake would win the first race of the weekend followed by Skoltz Petrucci uh it's sort of got that same flair same guys playing in this in the front um Skoltz really came on I think at the end of the year he really got that Westby team they found something uh not too sure what it was but they looked fantastic here at the end yeah and uh you know and you don't see Peterson in the top five in that race Pe- Peterson was really going well that weekend at Barber he mm-hmm. You know, him and Gagne were switching fast times during the practice and qualifying sessions, but he he went off uh, in uh, the the long uh, right-hander uh, turn two, mm-hmm. and uh, did, I, I don't believe he remounted or even finished. But uh, And another thing was that uh, 
the BMW with PGA Jacobson, they had, uh, they had made a change, I think before Jersey and had really started to feel good with that bike. And, uh, he was, he was definitely, uh, given, uh, you know, the, the, the normal top three or four, some, uh, some pressure. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, it got into Sunday. Sunday was an interesting day because rain had been predicted and it was like, is it going to hit or is it not going to hit? Uh, we did get a wet super sport race that weekend. And, and, it, and, and it was quite an entertaining race. I'm sure yes. you remember Jim. Uh, oh yeah. It started wet, but it quit raining. So some of the field went out on Rains. rain tires. Some went out on slicks, including yep. Josh Heron on the Ducati V2. Yes. And of course, at the start of the race, the guys on the range just took off. And, but then as the track started drying, it was, it was really entertaining to watch Heron come back through the field. And, um, the, the, uh, the 16 year old kid, I, not 16 year old kid, but, um, it's the mom and pop racing thing on super sport. I can't think of their name. I can't think of their name. I can't think of his name, but he was on slicks too. So him and Heron flying up through the field was fun to watch. Oh, Rocco. Rocco. That's it. Yeah. 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 Rocco. Um, that's a Rocco, Land, Rocco Landers. Rocco Landers. But unfortunately, yeah. he he fell so far back in the first yeah. part, unlike Heron. Yeah. Heron was and, able to ride pretty well on a slick on a yeah. what I would call very damp. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to call it wet because <laughs> it wasn't. But yeah, yeah but not, was... not much of a dry line out there to start. Mm -mm. But, but no. yeah, he, he played it just right. Uh, Rocco struggled too much at the start of that. And yeah, he was really fast at the end, but it very was, fast. It was, it was you were wondering if he was going to catch Aaron at yeah. the end there. You know, yeah. it was, it was fun to sit there and watch because right. like, is he, is it? He is like, Ooh, you, you're trying to do the math. Like, Oh, yeah. well it was, it was 18 seconds and now it's 16 seconds and now it's 15 seconds. And you're like, is, wait, how many laps are left? And if he's saying mm -hmm. no, yes, no, yet, yeah, no, yet, yeah, no, yes. And, you know, I think he caught a, he caught a couple of bikes in the really the wrong spot on the dry line that he needed to need to have. And he right. lost a little bit of time there. I don't know if he would have been able to get by Heron, but it sure would have been fun sure. to find out. Yeah. Anyway, we're here talking super bike. So that was the side because it was that was the only rain race of the weekend. Because yeah. the super bike, for second super bike, yeah, I'll get it out of here. The second mm -hmm. super bike race was a great race. It was a battle between the two teammates, Cam, uh, not Cam, Cameron Peterson and Jake Gagne. And those two went at it. And, um, I think a lot of people may have thought that Jake kind of gave that one to Cameron. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Uh, I don't think. I he, don't think so. Yeah, he, because I think he would have liked to have won the. You know, once again, did the double and uh, you know, took the championship that way. But uh, but Peterson, he was going so well that I think Gagne knew it was better to. Uh, just say, discretion is a part push. of valor yeah, exactly so <laughs> yeah yeah and uh so in that one now it was actually in race one that the start they called petrucci for a jump start right yes and um so then he they reinstated it the next morning didn't they yeah they 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 reviewed the tape for several hours that evening and and determined that it they reversed it, which I think was the right decision. I think in, so. In looking at it, so so that reinstated his uh, third place from uh, 
from race one, but, but yeah, he, uh, he, he just didn't have nothing for, for the attack Yamaha's no. and, uh, and, and there again, PJ Jacobson, uh, actually put it on the podium in race two on that Tyler's BMW, uh, ahead of Petrucci, who finished yeah. fourth and then Schultz in fifth. You know, a shout out to, uh, Hayden Gillum in the super, his super stock. He looked great. Super stock. He really yeah. did that weekend. He really, really looked good. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cousin, cousin of the, uh, Owensboro, Owensboro clan. Yep. Hayden family, uh. And uh, he's a really talented rider. He's he is. a really good guy. And it was good to see him get this opportunity with this disrupt uh, racing team for this year. And they're going to be back next year. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what they can offer. But uh, tell you what, Jimmy, if you want to, well, just real quick, let's go down through just a couple of the championship uh, go ahead. standings. Uh, of course, in Superbike, you had Gagne, uh, take home the title with Petrucci in second, you know, kudos to Danilo, mm -hmm. uh, Peterson, Cam Peterson, third, Matty Skultz, fourth, Hector Barbera, fifth, and PJ Jacobson, sixth on the Tyler BMWs, uh, super sport, Josh Heron, uh, took it on the, uh, Warhorse Ducati, uh, V2, Rocco Landers came home in second with Tyler Scott and Tyler Scott, uh, He's on a lot of people's radar. He was third on the uh, M4 Suzuki, and a lot of people think there's a lot of good things in store for him moving forward. Uh, Benjamin Smith on the Suzuki uh, in fourth. Luke Power on the Yamaha in fifth. The Australian, who's actually going to be racing in World uh, Supersport in 2023. And then Josh Hayes, and we should have mentioned. We well, should have. Hayes uh, finished sixth in the championship. He did not race the full schedule. Uh, he did win several races during the year and the, 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 some of the events he did contest at Barber in qualifying, I believe it was, he was really on it and looked like he was, uh, going to be pushing those guys for a win that over the weekend. And he had a massive crash. I was standing in the corner and saw it happen. Yeah. I just happened to get, I, we happened to be at the right place at the right time for that one. Mm -hmm. That crash yeah. was wicked. Yeah. It was gone in a heartbeat and yeah. there was no saving that one. Yeah. Josh hit the ground hard. Mm -hmm. um, I thought he had been knocked cold mm -hmm. when he hit the ground because it was that ragdoll slide, nothing happened thing. Yeah. And then it became, I, I really don't want to go here, but I guess we're going to have to. The wait for medical to get to him was excruciatingly painful to watch. There again, <laughs> he, he went down in a place yes. about as far away from the corner worker stations. As again, he, yes. It was and, a bad and, place. Yes. I, yeah. will, I, will, I will admit to that. Were... I, I don't know the details. I didn't have... I don't have the scanner to have a radio doing so, but I know... Someone tried to go out to aid him, but then was called back. Mm -hmm. And with a rider that hadn't moved, and you know he hadn't moved for the amount of time, I don't know why it took race direction as long as they did to actually stop that rate, stop that session, qualifying session, whatever it was, right? Which, again, befuddles me, which, again, you, you kind of had recovered from the black eyes with Petrucci, and other things, and everybody kind of got back to this feeling good and comfortable, and then this incident happened. 
Now, as it turned out, Josh was never knocked out because we ha- we happened to run into his crew at the museum that that afternoon as we're all going through everything in the museum, right? Which, if you've ever go to Barbara, go to the museum. I don't. You, you must go. Take some time. I I get it. There's motorcycles running around, but go see the museum. It's fantastic. Shouldn't be um, missed. Should not be that, missed. There's absolutely. stuff in there. I thought I knew every manufacturer of motorcycle that's ever been done or made i found bikes in there i had no idea had ever been made before i yeah. found brands i had no clue about and it's a very well done museum with yeah the, just just yeah. go ahead and pick up a drill bucket at the front door exactly so. yeah <laughs> oh and also do it go to the museum on a race weekend because in the race weekends is the only time the museum's restoration floor which is the lowest floor in the museum is actually open mm-hmm. you can't walk around very much down there but you do see where they put things back together again and you get to peek into the literal you like those big warehouse racks of stuff that's in corners and boxes that is going to be restored <laughs> so don't miss that okay so done amazing. don't the advertisements for bar barber yeah. sorry people back to the <laughs> thing of josh hayes being on the track and the, that you know again you had a rider that was down it was way too long before anyone got to it i don't know why luckily josh was not uh not cold in it but he did break both his tib and his fib uh and it was crash. it was kind of funny, you know. He he's he's a tough guy, needless to say. So he was in the booth, yeah, with the uh, Moto America Live Plus uh, with Roger Hayden and the, yep. you know, that crew uh, commentating for the rest of the weekend. So he he's he's a warrior. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> just just real quick, just a shout out to the champions in the support classes. Uh, you had Corey Alexander in the uh, Super Stock One Thousand, Blake Davis in the uh, Twins Cup, and Cody Wyman. Uh, in the uh, junior cup yep so what's um let's talk about the state of motor america before we go to 2023 stuff i think you and i will both agree that the 90s into the early 2000s the noughties if you will was a heyday of ama motorcycle road racing in the u.s am i is that a fair statement scott absolutely okay I now it's like you have Moto America, you have Wayne Rainey running the show after the abomination of DMG and all that, which we don't want to rehash here. Suffice to say, it was a, it was dark times for American road racing fans. Mike, the question I'm going to pose to you, Scott, is I see Yamaha there with a really pretty big presence. How much of that bike is a factory bike? I'm not 100% sure. But it's the best funded, most prepared team on the grid. BMW has a presence. It's a fairly good team. But it's mostly Yamahas, a Ducati with Warhorse, and a couple BMWs that are there. There's no factory Suzuki team. There's no Yosh team like there used to be. There's no American Honda team effort. There's not even like an Aryan Honda effort like you had in the 90s. There's a lot of room for bikes on the grid and there just isn't the teams i do not have an answer to this one but i can give you my opinion of what i think's wrong and i i it's there's there's some i i don't sorry i don't even know what's wrong there's something missing i i I honestly believe wayne rainey knew what was missing he would he would fix it he'd find a way to fix it they've they've gotten some tv coverage they've got a streaming service um, I don't know if it's a purse money issue. 
I don't know if it's just the times because you're now coming out of COVID. What do you think is wrong from a guy who's been with it more than I, longer than I have? Jim, I think at this point in time, it's just the results of the perfect storm. Okay. Uh, let's go back to the, as you said, rightly so, the abomination that was Daytona Motorsports Group. They totally, they did very little, if anything, right. And one of the worst things they could have ever done that has not been able to be recovered is they ran off the elephant in the room, the number one supporter, sponsor of the of AMA Pro road racing honda and honda has never for the most part came back they've dipped their toe in a few times but they have never came back and you wonder if they ever will um you touched on it earlier uh talking about the distance of traveling Mm -hmm. between races in the united states of america as opposed to in uh Great Britain, Great Britain with, Europe, with, with, yeah, the continent. So, so you know, you know, it's impressive the fields that they have in British Superbike, but look how, look how little travel is involved from round to round compared to America. So you have all the logistics and costs for teams that don't, and as we know, there's not near as much money in the paddock as there used to be. So there's there's just not that many teams that can run the full series and afford going to these races when you're having to travel cross country at times. And, you know, with the putting the team up in hotels or whatever, it's, it's just uh, detrimental to a lot of teams to, to take on that investment. Uh, Wayne Rainey, Chuck Axland, the, uh, the rest of the Moto America uh, corporation, they have done a great job at bringing it back every year. It seems to get a little bit stronger. It's, you know, they've been, they've been having to kind of make baby steps. Uh, they, you know, their social media presence, they're doing real good with that. They're, you know, their, their TV and their live streaming and, you know, they're making a lot of efforts there. They're, they're getting more international coverage, I think. And of course it helps when you got an international rider coming over like Petrucci this year, Baz last or Petrucci last year, Loris Baz the year before. Um, so that's good. But uh, another thing I think that's, and as far as the factory involvement, so attack Yamaha, they, they are like the factory team. It's not ran by the factory, but they still get quite a bit of factory support. Uh, Warhorse, Ducati, Totler's BMW, they're getting some support, not like Yamaha probably is. Uh, Suzuki, uh, Yosh was the, the standard bearer of that team for years, and then they decided to to move it over to John Yorick, Chris Yorick, Team Hammer, and the M4 Suzuki. But I'm not sure to what level of support they get. Um, and you even wonder this year with Suzuki pulling out of MotoGP and 
some other realms of road racing. What you know, I, I've actually heard rumors that that they may be on a different brand this year, and I I don't know if that'll be the case. Hopefully not. I'd like to see Suzuki stay out there, but uh, anyway, I think one of the good things that Moto America has done, and I know a lot of people don't like it, but it's definitely bringing new fans to the track and getting more fans exposed to all of the racing is the, uh, the bagger. Yeah. Uh, King of the baggers. It's amazing when you go to the track now, how many cruiser types you're seeing at the track. That's really bringing some people in. Yeah. And hopefully some of those people are seeing some of the other classes and super bike, super sport and what have you. And we'll eventually be made fans of the whole show instead of just, you know, that one aspect of it. So, yeah, it's a tough go right now. COVID, the current economic situation, and just the things that we've spoke about from the past. So, yeah, but yeah, I think it's considering all they're, they're fairly healthy and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll keep moving forward and gaining a little ground every year uh you know back to at least some of the glory they had back in the uh you know leading up into the 2000s so i'll, I'll go with a couple of things that i noticed having traveled to these two different rounds of moto america with some friends the one thing the first thing that i will say to the positive the price for a weekend ticket is super cheap I mean, mm -hmm. it, okay. Yeah, I, I'm fortunate to have friends that want to go and an RV to go in, and I understand that. But it's still, it's like 89 bucks for three days. Like that's nothing. That's you know, you you can put you can put a Hondo into your truck to fill it up nowadays, right? So to be able to go to see three days of racing, you know, that's part of it. Yeah, you can. That's that's a good thing. It's a good value. It's a for good, sure. it's, there's good value there for what you get while you're there. Now, the experience at Pittsburgh to the experience at Barber are worlds apart of each other, right? But Barber, I think, is a track that is known as a race track. Like IndyCar is there or yes. has been there. Yeah, they race um, there. I know... Imsa used mm -hmm. to have a have Grand Am when it was Grand Am. We had the split in sports cars. They've raced there. So mm -hmm. it's a got a sort of a notoriety to it. And they've they have done well to market themselves. They have the museum. They have a lot of things going and, there, but it was a huge amount of private investment. By, yeah, the, by, the vintage festival there is huge right, in October right. every year. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot going with that. One of the things there, the only thing that I that I found upsetting was there was not um anybody who could tell us at the time because we heard rumors that you had to be out with your rv and your campsite you had to be out like three hours after the last race well we couldn't find anybody who could actually tell us that answer now i understand moto america leases the entire facility as far as i was told so they didn't have an answer it was the people at barber who have that rule well there, there to me there can't be that disconnect between the peoples mm -hmm. you, that should clearly be spelled out to somebody who's camping 
because we didn't know. So then we were scrambling to find another campsite for us because we, you know, it's an eight hour drive back home and we're not doing that one. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit, a bit challenging. And Pittsburgh was challenging too, in that respect, as we rolled up and they're like, Hey, here's your, here's your paddock pass. Here's your armbands. Have fun. Um, sorry, we don't know where we're going. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, we'll have a guy take you there. Okay. Well, that's cool. Hey, guy gets in one of the little pit race cars and we follow him to the campsite and we're like, he's like here. And we're like, wait a minute. The number you number that I have on the ticket here doesn't match the number you have at the sign. It's like, Oh, well, 80 is really 110. Well, how are we <laughs> supposed to know that? You know, don't you think like what the map that Moto America had should match that? Yeah. And I get, I'm complaining for literally no reason here, but it's, it's everything, right? It's everything in a weekend that's going to make you want to go back. Right. Yeah, and, and that's in, unfortunate. It's that, unfortunate that it's the it's not the series. No, in those things, it's the facility. Correct. But you know, there's a disconnect. But there is a disconnect between what Motor America is doing as far as renting a facility or leasing a facility, and and then everything else. Yeah. And there needs to yeah. be, you know, I don't I don't think it's too hard to ask the facility. Hey, when does everybody who's camping have to be out? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, hey, everybody's got to be out three hours after. Oh, well, you can print that on the ticket. I, if it's on the ticket, I'm not going to complain because I got time to from whenever I bought the ticket to whenever the race is to find myself another place to go or make another arrangement or whatever it is. Yeah, I, honestly, Jim, probably your best bet moving forward on is to contact the track prior yeah. to the race weekend and talk to somebody that really knows. And that way you're, you yeah. know the situation know going, going in there because during the race weekend, you know, it's it's frantic. There's so much going on and yeah. probably a lot of the people don't know and yep. the people that do know the chances are you Can't actually find they're doing the, something else because yeah. they're the ones in the know right so but, but no, it, i get it it's a small am i not am i not is that going to cause me not to go back no because i have too much fun at a racetrack mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but if you had if you had someone who was going for the very first time and because they had heard about this there's a disconnect for that person right all right right so that's my that's from that perspective the second problem is that and this is I can't understand this, but I, I've said this before to those of you loyal listeners who have heard this rant. You're Wayne Rainey. You don't, can't you walk into Tolerance, California and go, hey, American Honda, how about giving us a satellite type bike support? Give us some parts and pieces for a team. You know, Wayne rode Hondas. Wayne did a lot with Honda. Wayne, he's a valued person to Honda. And I can't imagine why he can't. He doesn't have enough sway to be able to to get them to help, which is interesting to me. Well, so there must know, not be value, right? Well, you know, know, they they have came back with yeah and sponsored, you know, the parts of the series. But as far as bringing a a factory or a, you know a semi or a full, I, factory I would take a semi works team back. or just yeah. a team with good support, right? But but you look at it honestly, you know that it's it's. They're so invested in MotoGP and have recently, I mean, they've been in World Superbike, but it's like they've only started to get really serious again yeah. in World Superbike in the last couple of years. And yeah, so I don't know. It, it, it you know, that's, that's on every, a lot of people's wish list every year. And there's, there's, we keep thinking that, that we're going to see it hopefully come to fruition, but. Yeah, just at this point, it just hasn't. Yep. Yep. So that uh those are the only things that really I had with that. I, I do wonder 
if you took the rules of Moto America Superbike, just just Superbike, and you said, and you made them have to be on Pirellis, or if you tried to mimic more closely British Superbikes regulations, or maybe mimic a little bit more about World Superbike, would that make it better? Would that be an easier way for guys like Cam or when Gagne went over to Porto Mayo to make a bigger impression in Europe? Because then it's, is it, is it, would it be more even? Would it be a better springboard? You see where um, I'm going, Scott? My, yeah. But I get it. Dunlap's a big sponsor and you're not going to want to tick them off. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally, I get that 100%. So I don't think that's ever going to happen, but it's, you, you could kind of tell that Jake had, I won't say trouble with the Pirellis, but you could tell that he didn't quite have a comfort level with it yet. Well, is you know, it's just, it's, it's, first of all, Moto America is a national championship series is more closely aligned with world Superbike than I believe any other national series. You were probably correct in that one. Actually this year, they're even going to the, what is it? The seamless shift gearbox and, mm. you know, something. Yeah, that's things well, that's that, next on the list to talk about the rule changes for. Yeah. Next yeah. Year, so. so, and, but there is such a huge difference, I believe between the, the, the feel and, and of the Pirellis and the American Dunlops, uh, you know, Gagne, one thing that hurt them on their, their Porter mile wild card was oh, some of their equipment was late getting there that put mm. them behind the eight ball. And then you're coming in at the end of the year and a very competitive world Superbike series where all the teams are, you know, needless to say at the top of their game, because they've got the whole season behind them. You're coming in at the last race and it, it's just a huge mountain to climb to go over there and, and you know actually even fight for a top 10 in that regards so very true but but yeah it's and i'm sure those guys look back at it it's like okay if we do this again we we, we know some things we need to do different yeah but uh but See, yeah think, uh, that's one of the things i think that hurts us here in the u.s is not having a world super background Right, there's not a world superbike in the U.S. Yeah, which I just yeah. still don't get, but it's, yeah, we don't, and we, hopefully we will again sooner than later. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I'm for Laguna. I like, you know, or you have it. You have it at Coda, right? You have a MotoGP race in early in the year. You have a maybe a world superbike slash Moto America thing at the end of the in you know towards the end of the year, maybe. I don't know. Just something to that effect, but you know, it's not, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us have the magic bullet. I mean, if we, it, and again, I think Wayne and Chuck Asklin are incredibly intelligent individuals. I don't, I think if they knew how to fix it, they would do it in a heartbeat. So um, I applaud them for bringing it back from the demise that was DMG. Okay, this is so far and away so much better than what it was under DMG. Sure. But the other thing too, I think, is that you know we're not racing at the tracks. A lot of the tracks in the U.S. that we used to, like Mid Ohio, is 
absent from that list, which would be nice for me because I'm 90 minutes away from that, right? Um, there was supposed to be, there was the race uh, in Indianapolis on the road course that was going to be a, a Moto America weekend. They haven't tried to get another one of those back. Roger Rob, Penske. Roger is, owns the track. He's, he's a car guy. He is he's a car a guy. It's not guy. right. It's not going to happen again, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we can throw that out there. But I was trying to think, like, you know, if I go to, like, Pitt, I don't think of that as, like, it's, it's not, this is not a fair statement, and I'm not sure how to actually say it, but it's not a racetrack like Road America or, like, Barber. It's, like, a big club race where a bunch of guys with really expensive sports cars go and put their money together to build a racetrack so they could run their cars at faster than what they could on the street, mm -hmm. which, which there's nothing wrong with the track. The track's actually pretty brilliant, but there isn't an, okay. That's what I'm looking for. There isn't the infrastructure sort of around it that you would have. Mm -hmm. You go to Pitt or you go to Pittsburgh, you're kind of in kind of nowhere land there. You mm -hmm. know, it's a, it's a ways away to get to a hotel. <clears throat> for the teams, for the right, for, you know, spectators, if they're not camping there to, at the track, sure, which makes it tough. Now that's not to say road America is not in the same boat. It's in a remote area as well, but there's, you know, you know, all the big teams and races tracks have been there. Right. All right. So I don't know. Uh, anyway. So why don't we look at the uh, new rules for 2023 and then we'll close out with uh, maybe some rider updates. Sure. So the first one that I know about, uh, the new rule was you could have two spare bikes built or sorry, you could have a full spare bike built up uh, the, before you were only allowed the one bike rule. Now you can have the two bikes built up. Uh, you know, I think that's a great idea. Like, you know, there was, if you did wad one up and you were trying to put one together at the track, there's always something you're going to miss because you're in a rush to try to get it back together. You are not allowed to, as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong here, Scott, you're not allowed to tech that second bike. It has to remain sort of in the pit in a trailer. It hasn't been inspected. If your bike, your number one bike that was tech inspected is beyond repair, you can then roll your second bike tech inspection, have it inspected, and then you can then race on that motorcycle. I think that's a good move. I don't think, you know, it's kind of dumb. I think everybody has had another spare bike in parts in the truck anyway. So let's just put it together instead of, you know, fooling ourselves that, we don't we're saving money that way yeah no i agree with that man uh you had something for rules uh that you mentioned just before i, I didn't catch it right oh now. yeah yeah in the super bike uh super bike, yes. class the uh i think it's the seamless shift gearbox seamless it's, shift it's uh it's the world super bike spec style hmm. uh transmission where and uh yeah so you know obviously gagne experienced that in his uh when they did their wild card they fitted up you know the bike they raced over there with that so uh, i think moto america there again to be even more in line with the uh, world super bike rules package is uh going with that yeah for so, 2023 <laughs> yep so is, is it is moto america a spec electronic spec ecu or are you allowed to do or is it just got to be the factory one that came on the bike <laughs> No, they have the. Uh, is it Magneti Morelli? They or? have they have different types. I think they have Magneti okay. and. Uh, so you got two Motec and some of okay. the different ones, yeah. Cause, so cause they it's... haven't standardized on one particular. No, part. I don't. Okay. No, no. Because I'm wondering no. if we should do that. You know, just 
here's the one and yeah yeah that's i don't know been anyway. a lot of discussion about that in the past i know yeah. amongst the the moto american the teams and what have you but uh but yeah they're there again they're trying to stay as as closely aligned with world Superbike uh, seemingly now as possible okay so um the schedule is all different this coming year they're in barbers in the beginning of the year when it was at the end of the year I'm not sure why they moved that around. Like I said, VIR isn't on the list. Um, I don't have a schedule in front of me. Yeah, I've, I've got it right here, Jim. Yeah. So, so why don't you run through where we're going? And, yeah. And then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so of course they're going to start off uh, like they did last year with a kind of there again, the one-off race with Daytona mm-hmm. for the 200. Uh, that's March 9th through 11th. Um, of course, with the 200, they also run the uh, Twins Cup there. Uh, the Bagger Series runs there, which is kind of interesting to see those guys up on the high banks. Um, but yeah, uh, and it looks like for uh, not not a lot of uh, entry uh, list announcements for that yet. I'm pretty sure, I don't think Gagne is going to run it this year, but Cam Peterson will for attack. Uh, uh, I have heard an interview with Heron, where even though he is moving to the Superbike for Warhorse Ducati that he's probably going to run the V2 and the 200 again for them. Uh, Josh Hayes, I'm sure, will be back on the Squid Hunter Yamaha. And uh, you would assume probably Brandon Posh, who's won the last two of those, will be back with uh, the uh, TOBC Triumph to go for three in a row. So as that draws closer, uh, we'll get a better idea of the entry list for that. So uh, should be some good teams. And riders showing up for that again, though. As far as the true season opener, that'll be April 21st through 23rd at Road Atlanta. And that's where you'll have the full program with the uh, uh, Superbikes and the rest of the support classes. Now, some of the, they are switching it up a little bit this year to where some of the rounds the Twins Cup will not be at, but all the rounds they are at, they will run two races at all of those rounds. Hmm. And then also the Superstock class, they're, I don't believe they're running at every round, but the rounds they don't run at, the the ones that are signed up to run the uh, Superbike Cup, they call it, where they, the Superstock 1000 competitors can run with the Superbikes. So of course, they'll have opportunities to race you know, there. So, uh, yeah, and like I said, May 19th through 21st, Barber. One of the things, Jim, I've heard about Barber making that switch is that the because of the part of the country with the college football season really starting to kick in in September, um, that they think that's – and also the, the NASCAR Talladega race, uh, just a, a week or two apart from, from that round, they – they they thought moving that race to earlier in the year might might uh, bring a, a higher spectator count out. So and okay. and plus the weather might be a little bit better that time of year in Alabama anyway. So it may be for the best with that. Uh, June second through fourth, Road America, uh, as you said earlier, a wonderful track. It's probably our closest track to a real you know. European uh, road course, you know, style track. It's it's a shame that with some of the 
things they just can't homologate for as far as runoff in some areas and whatever that we can't, you know, entertain MotoGP or World Superbike at that track. But it, it is, it's a beautiful it setting, is. no doubt. Uh, June 23rd through 25th, they go back out to the Pacific Northwest to the Ridge Motorsports Park. Uh, July 7th through 9th, Laguna Seca. Uh, let's see, the 28th and 30th of July will be Brainerd uh, in Minnesota. August 18th through 20th will be uh, Pittsburgh. I'll be there. Pit Race Complex, yep. Uh, and this is one of the big changes is they are not opening the season for the Superbikes as a support class for MotoGP at Circuit of the Americas. The main reason I've heard of that is that I guess Moto America don't get any of the gate wow. uh, fun, you know, monies that comes in for that race. And plus, you know, they can only run that one class there. Yeah, some of the super stock guys can come and run there with them, but they've decided and were able to get a date of their own for where they can run the, you know, just their full schedule yeah. or series, you know, series September eighth through tenth. I would go to Texas if it wasn't 18 hours for me to drive there. <laughs> if I'm doing it, I'm going to do it. Well, I'm going to do it to, to go see Moto, Moto GP. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then I thought, I thought oh, I could get on a plane and do it. But then I remember, you know what? I really hate leaving the track because yeah, once you've I, camped there, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to do that again. Well, you know, I mean, circuit of the Americas, it's a great facility. Yeah. I've never thought the track lent itself to just great. no, I agree. close racing and I, I know there was a lot of a lot of knocks on indy as far as you know the layout of the track and all but for me personally indy was so much better from a logistics standpoint uh from a uh, you know just just accommodations uh mm -hmm. it, it i i hate it that they no longer go to indy because yeah. uh, I, I mean austin's nice but it's it's just much more for me anyway, logistically challenging and, and expense wise. Yeah. Let's face facts. It was built for formula one. Sure. The, with, with an eye to having motorcycle races there. Yeah. Yeah. The runoff was built big enough to accommodate MotoGP. Sure. That's, you know, I do think Schwantz threw a couple of things in maybe for the motorcycles, you know, right. but right. Fair enough. It's, it was a car track it was always going to be a car track is a car track. Yep, again, yep. it's a nice facility, but yeah, again, if it wasn't 18 hours for me one way, I'd go there for Seed Moto America for <clears> sure. Well, hopefully they'll pull in a good crowd for that. I hope uh, so too. Standalone event because uh, yep. you know there, there's that's the last race of the season, right? No, actually oh. they'll uh, they're ending up uh, in 2023 at New Jersey, oh, Jersey, yeah, yeah, right. September 22nd through 24th, and and uh, you know they pull a good crowd in at Jersey every year. You know, yep. that's that's a, that's a pretty good track for them. So, so that that's uh, I think that you know I think that's not a bad move necessarily. Uh, well, let's run through the riders and Superbike Supersport just uh, just for the teams' sake, just to let people know who's where. Yeah, uh, you know, not a lot of not a lot of change, not a lot of confirmed confirmations yet. You know, yep. usually the with the Moto America series historically, you're you get a few of the big teams and, and some trickle in here and there, but you generally don't have a clear picture of the entire field in each class until 
usually up into February. So, yeah. but cool. yeah, we'll do what we can right here. So we'll quickly go through it. Uh, Attack Yamaha, Gagne, and Cam Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warhorse, War Warhorse, Warhorse War Ducati is just Josh Heron. Uh, he'll run super and, bike. And real quick on that, yeah. on that teaming up uh, with Heron going back to the super bike, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Number one, he has a lot of experience on the American Dunlops. Yes. So that might not be as big of an issue for him. The question is, which Josh Heron is going to show up <laughs> and how serious is he going to be about his preparations? And if he gets really serious about it, I can see him contending and, and yeah. pushing Gagne and Peterson. But uh, like I say, that's, that's, we're just going to have to wait and see which Josh shows up. All right. Uh, West Yamaha, Matthew Skoltz. Once so, again. Yep. You know, I, there's a guy who's going to contend. Sure. I, I think for sure. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Uh, on certain the, weekends, no doubt. Yes, for sure. Uh, Tyler's BMW, not confirmed, but we're, what, say 90% sure Cam Bobier will be there Yeah, with them. Do you, I think, uh, I think even though it's the BMW, not something that Cam's not really familiar with, I do think Cam will contend. I just think his talent level is that good. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. I, in a recent interview, once again, that I heard with Josh Heron, he the he was he was saying basically that he thinks Bobier is going to be even better than before he went to Moto Two, and he was speaking from his experience in Moto Two to where you it's such a axe murderer class and people are diving up under you and you've got to do the same thing to to have a chance in it. Such an aggressive riding style to be competitive in Moto Two that he think because Bobier historically prior to him going over there. He he used to would not and sometimes purposely not get a great start, seemingly, and work his way through the field. But then he got to where the last couple of years and titles he won on the uh, Yamaha, he was get pulling the whole shot and just checking out. So he never was just known as that much of a really, you know, get in there and a baller per se. Mm. So what Heron was saying is, is that he thinks he's going to have more of a killer instinct in him now after his Moto2 experience. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Joining him should be PJ Jacobson and Corey Alexander. Yeah. Jacobson uh, put some really good runs in towards the end of the year on that bike. And then Corey Alexander, of course, dominated the super stock 1000 on the, that team's BMW back in that class. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what he can, uh, what he can do on the, the full blown super bike. Yep. M4 Suzuki, uh, Escalante. And we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out yeah, later, right? Yeah. I, I, I'd like to see Jake Lewis come back, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, Jake Lewis is a great guy. And, uh, but uh, just, you know, you never know with M4. Uh, I know that's, it's, Chris of, All, it's it's John Ulrich. What do you expect? Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of variables there. <laughs> yeah. So, sure. uh, yeah. Uh, Disrupt Suzuki, Hayden Gillum. Uh, that's going to be good. I think he'll pick right up where he left off there. Yeah. But, you know, last year they ran the Superstock 1000 class and then they had kind of like a hybrid Superbike mm. that wasn't a full on Superbike, but it had some of the Superbike uh, spec parts on it. So hopefully this year they'll have the full blown Superbike. And yeah, he put in some really good performances on that. Uh, back last year so 
hopefully he'll be able to get up there and mix it up with the top guys more. And then we got writers of interest, uh, Hector Barbera, Jake Lewis, and Ashton Yates. Yeah, you know, there again, uh, Barbera looks like he's the odd man out at uh, the yeah. Titler's BMW. I don't know if he's going to land anywhere. Uh, Lewis there again, uh, yet to be seen. Ashton Yates was on the shabby uh, BMW last year and, uh, you know, put in a pretty good showing on that to be his rookie uh, super bike year. So uh, that's Aaron Yates. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron the Enforcer right? Yates. So, yeah, yeah, it's his son. So uh, talented very talented uh young rider so uh, we'll see about that yep uh, and then we look at super sports so warhorse warhorse ducati will have a uh, chave forez on there that'd be interesting to see how he does on that v-twin yeah he's uh he's a fast dude i mean you know he's he's got a lot of experience in uh world Superbike. i think he's got some bsb experience and uh, yeah. uh i think he'll uh think he'll be a challenge there or a force there well, we know who's going to be on the Squid Hunter Yamaha. That's going to be Josh Hayes. The question is, does he run a full or a partial season? Yeah. Selected uh, rounds is my thought. Yeah, he'll definitely run Daytona. Uh, yep. I think he's one race away from the all-time uh, uh, yeah. pro road racing uh, yeah. win. He was looking for that at Barber. He's looking for a win there in Barber think, to, to, yeah, get, I think, to tie. Is it Miguel de Hommel? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. I'd like so, to see him get that. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. It would be. Uh, Disrupt Suzuki will have Corey Ventura. Yeah, so he was on the, uh, speaking of Josh Hayes, he was on the, you know, the MP13, Melissa Paris, hmm. uh, Josh's wife. He was on that team last year running in Twins Cup. And he had a few one-off appearances on the uh, M4 Suzuki and Supersport uh, in place of uh, Sam Lockoff when he was injured. injured. So that'll be, be interesting to see what uh, Corey can do on that uh, Disrupt uh, 600. Yep. Uh, 3D Suzuki is Damian Jigalov. Jigalov. Okay. So Damien, you know, some people are, I'm sure, listening familiar with him. He's he's been he's raced uh, internationally quite a bit. Uh, he did race in Junior Cup. I don't know if his KTM Cup before they went to Junior Cup last year. He raced a Honda 1000 CBR 1000 in Wira. Now he's had support in the past from. Uh, uh, Canal, Canal Reeves um, has been one of his supporters hmm. in ARC motorcycles. I, I don't know if that's continuing this year, but but yeah, he's on a team that's going to be ran by this 3D team. That's Dustin Dominguez. Hmm. Uh, Dustin has race, used to race in the, the AMA Pro Road Racing. He is a multi-time champion in the CMRA out in the, uh, you know, Midwest, uh, you know, Texas, Oklahoma region. So that's, uh, he's got a lot of potential. Uh, Damien does. So it's, it's hopefully he's going to be in a situation where he can show some of that. Yep. Uh, the M4 Suzuki, Tyler Scott and Sam Lockoff. Yeah. And confirmed, the, but yeah, they're, yeah, there again, you know, M4 is always <laughs> really late on call, you know, giving it yeah. their official rider, but I, I'm sure they're going to hang on to Scott. If at all possible, he is a real talent, still young, but, uh, a lot of people, I tell you, the guy has a lot to me. He reminds me a lot of Nikki Hayden. Really? Just something about him. Yeah. Cool. Just, yeah. So, uh, uh, Sam Lockoff, the South African, he's shown good the last few years. He has been dealing with injuries the last couple of years. That's kind of held him back. So, See, uh, see how that works out. 
Yep. Then lastly, uh, Flanders, Yamaha, Rocco, Landers there. I I see big things out of that kid. I'm sure he, he's got a shot. At, I think he's got a shot at winning Super Sport title. You know, uh, you know, Rocco, he, he dominated Junior Cup. Mm-hmm. Then he went to Twins Cup, won a championship. And then he went to the 600 the last couple of years. And, you know, he, he, he had went through a big growth growth spurt. Well, you know, he actually did the Red Bull rookies cup in Europe. He started it, but he didn't finish it hmm. a couple of years ago. And it's, it's like one. during that time is when he was starting to really grow and get physically bigger. And I think they realized that there's just no way he could be competitive on those bikes over there after they got, you know, several races into the season. So, yeah, he's a super talented rider. Uh, yeah, so I hope to see uh, some big things out of Rocco uh, in 2023 and beyond. Yeah. Uh, well, I, one thing here that tips me off here at the bottom, uh, another point of interest is that there is an extended with a pit stop rounds at Barber and Laguna and Daytona. Daytona, well, we all know, have pit stops. Yeah, Daytona. But it's interesting course, is the that Barber and Laguna would have a pit stop. I, yeah, I like so that. they're going to do that in Super Sport. It'll oh, be just sport, one. Okay. Yeah, it'll be Super Sport. It'll just, at both of those rounds, it'll just be one race for the weekend. There's still not all the details out on it yet, but it'll, you know, they, it'll at least be double distance. Hmm. So, you know, whereas the races now normally would be, I think it's like 10 or 20, 12 laps. Yeah. Uh, Super Sport, I think, depending on the track, it's probably 16 to 18 laps. 16, okay. okay. And then, you know, probably average time between 20, 25 minutes. But there will be a, a pit stop, and, uh, you know, it's still yet to be determined if that'll be during a specific time range in the race that they do that. They may be a specific time that they're in the pits. But, you know, with them running – a lot of those guys running the 200 and already having the, the setup for the tire changes and whatever it, that I think it's an interesting experiment. So yeah, kind of like sprint races in Moto GP, right? We've got to experiment yeah. a little, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you've already got the kit, why not use it? Right. Correct. I like a Correct. couple other times, right? Yeah. So it makes it sort of worth it. Yeah, no doubt. So a uh, couple of riders of interest, uh, just, okay. of course, Brandon Posh, he's a, uh, as we said earlier, won the Daytona 200 the last two years and, you know, had a stint in a uh, British super bike with, with uh, some success uh, in the, some of the support classes over there. Last year, he was on one of the Altus Motorsports uh, super stock 1000 Suzuki's, which Jake Lewis had won on the championship on that the previous year. And the year before that, Cam Peterson had won the championship on that bike he had some injuries starting out the year and he never really, I think showed what his true potential was on that bike. And it sounds like Altus may not even run the 1000 this year. They're they've got the, the kit, the bike ready for this. I think it's a matter of somebody bringing some enough money to make it worthwhile for him. They're going to run in some of the support classes, but uh, that's yet to be seen. So hopefully something will work out for Brandon to uh, land somewhere in the paddock. Uh, Kayla Yakov, uh, she's garnering a lot of attention, not only nationally, but internationally. Uh, female racer. She's won, uh, she won a few of the uh, uh, Junior Cup races in Moto America this year, finished third, I believe, in the championships. At the end of the year, uh, she went over to Puerto Mayo 
on the World Superbike Weekend. She got an invite to the uh, Yamaha uh, 300 uh, Blue Crew race over there, and she finished fourth in the first race and second in the second race. So that turned a lot of uh, a lot of heads. So you know she's you know I mean I'm all for female racers, uh, and she's showing that she at least up to this point and she will be moving up to the twins class for 2023 with the uh, Melissa Paris, the MP 13 team, but it's going to be interesting to see how she progresses as she gets on the bigger bikes. Uh, if she can maintain her form that she's shown in junior cup, she's, uh, she's very, uh, very talented and her, she's a real fighter. So, uh, look forward to seeing how that works moving forward. And, uh, I guess one more would be this, uh, you know, um, they started the North American talent cup, uh, like they have the British talent cup, the, you know, and different ones and, you know, that run in conjunction with MotoGP. So they, they started, uh, last year, a North American talent cup. So, uh, Alessandro DeMario, uh, out of, he's a kid out of Kentucky. Sounds like he's from Italy, obviously, <laughs> obviously some bloodline there, right? yeah. but, uh, he won that, uh, inaugural North American talent cup championship. So he is moving up to junior cup this year. And I think he'll, you know, probably be a force in that class to, uh, with some of the other, uh, top, uh, runners that are moving on up to the twins class. So, so yeah, 2023 is looking exciting. Uh, so we'll uh, be waiting on that to roll, roll into town and see how things work out. Yep. It looks like there's some stuff to really to look forward to in Moto America, you know, we, we, you said it, I'll echo it. It's getting a little better each time, just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So hopefully we'll kind of get some momentum behind this, get some roll and get it going and get back to, I don't know, if, like we said, could it ever get back to the way that it was in the 90s or the, or the early noughties? But if we could get back to, say, 65, 70% of that, I'd be a really happy camper. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's going in the right direction. Like I said earlier, it's just baby steps and, you know, in the current times and environment that we're in, nothing is, you know, yeah, real easy uh, as far as making big strides. But just one more thing, Jim, sure. I, I don't know if, uh, if any of the fans out there uh, that are into the Moto America scene haven't watched their pressure to rise series that, that I assume they're going to do that again this year. Uh, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good sh program that they have on after it's, it, it follows the Superbike class throughout the year and it's, it, it covers each race and it gives you a lot of really good behind the scenes stuff, uh, interactions between riders and their crews and, and different between competitors. And it's, it's a really good, uh, produced program. And I assume it'll be on again this year. Normally they would show it on, I believe, well, if you got the Moto America Live Plus Pass, it'll be on there. I think it's on their YouTube channel. And then on Fox Sports 2, they, I believe they show it usually the the last round they cover the, the week, bef like leading up to the next weekend uh, of uh, round uh, race that, you know, priority up. So get a chance to check that out next year uh that's that's a that's a good show so i think you'd enjoy that yeah i didn't even know that existed so 
definitely something I'd like to check out. Sure. So I think we pretty much covered it in depth and in full <laughs> for sure, Scott. So I want to thank you for, for, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and opinions on this one. Appreciate it very much. Um, maybe sometime after a few races, maybe we'll check back in with you. Have a catch up if you don't mind. Just uh, thoughts on how the season's going and whatnot. And uh, I think that'd be great. I think the fans would like it too. Yeah, that, that, that would be good. I always enjoy being on the pod. So uh, anytime, Jim. I right, appreciate it. All right, everyone. That's the show. I want you all to remember to ride safe. Volunteer to be a corner worker for Moto America if you can. It would be greatly appreciated. Until the next show, see you.